Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. He would not say to himself, well, I'm the king. I know what I'm doing. I'm the one that got here. I'm the one that's the the king man. I'm the guy. The people chose me. I must be awesome. I'll do this my own way. David never did that. David knows that the kingdom is the Lord's. It's for the sake of his people, not, not for David. It's for the Lord's people. And so he's still small enough to still ask the Lord, what do I need to do? He knows he needs to seek the Lord's will on how to rule over the kingdom that God gave him to rule it properly. Friend, when you're given abundance, when you're given blessing, remember what it's for. It's not for you. It's for you to be a blessing to others. Always ask the Lord, Lord, how do I deal with this? What what do I do with it? How do you want me to take what you've given me? And how do you want me to sow it back into your kingdom? Do you want me to give to this ministry? Do you want me to do this for somebody. Just let the Lord tell you what he wants you to do. That's the way. Inquire of the Lord. Don't get so big and proud mighty of yourself. you thinking, I, I'm too awesome. I don't need to ask God anymore because I'm experienced. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. <laughs> ask the Lord what to do with it. And he will show you. Good job, David. Second Samuel 5 and 20. So David went to Baal Perazim and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal Perazim, and they left their images there, and David and his men carried them away. Then the Philistines went up once again and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephaim. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, and he said, You shall not go up, circle around behind them, and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall advance quickly, for then the Lord will go out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. And David did so, as the Lord commanded him, and he drove back the Philistines from Geba as far as Gezer. After David's victories here, he named the place Baal Perazim, again, redneck, that's redneck Hebrew, you know, shalom, y'all. But anyway, what Baal Perazim means is the Lord who breaks out, because the Lord broke through, he broke out, he broke through David's enemies like water here, and David drove them back 15 miles. That's a long way, that's a long enough way even to drive. How many of you would not drive 15 miles just to go get a hamburger, okay? But this is, he drove them back on on foot, fighting, and that means that victory was so one-sided that it says in verse 21, they left their images there, and David's men carried them away. This means the Philistines, they got beat so bad that they abandoned their false gods, their images that they had made, the false god images that they would worship. They abandoned their images to the Israelites. 
It was a surrender that basically said to the Israelites, your God is superior to our gods. Isn't that great? So let's take a wide view here of the entire picture in chapter 5. It was not only the Philistines that recognized the power of God. I think it was also the Israelites that recognized the power of God. They saw it too. Think of it. After a long, long war, they were tired, they wanted peace, and they realized that all of their old kings had always failed. They always had served failed kings. And they finally realized that the trouble they had been experiencing was actually the reaping of their own consequences, the reaping of consequences of their own choices. Samuel warned them, remember, he said, do not choose Saul as king. God did not choose this man for you. Don't go with Saul. And so Ishbosheth, the next king, he rolled over and died practically. No, he was murdered, but he fell into bed and he rolled over like he, oh, there's nothing I can do. What do I, I, I can't do anything. He was completely not a, uh, a ruler at all. If the people of Israel at this point could have expressed what they were feeling, what they would have said is, our old kings fail us. All of our old kings fail us. And so this caused them to recognize how much better this new king is, how much better King David is, because David brought victory and David brought peace. And so they willingly turned from their old kings to accept David as their new king. You hear that, Christian? You hear that, unbeliever? Your old kings have failed you. You need a new king. And so immediately, David made a covenant with them, and through that covenant, he moved in. David relocated the capital city to Jerusalem. After they accepted him, he made a covenant with them, and then he moved in. He moved in. To take residence, he moved all the hostility out. You can't come in here. You can't come in here. He went in and took it. He removed the hostility, and he removed all the dug-in problems that no one could ever remove before. Nobody, Joshua, as good of a military guy as Joshua was, he never could get those Jebusites out. But the king got them out. He removed the hostility that said, you can't come in here, and he established his throne on his rightful place with victorious authority where all former kings had failed. Friends, I want to give you some application that you can use here because this is a wonderful illustration of what happened here. God had this story play out just so to show you the gospel message of Jesus Christ. To those of you who are tired, and I know you're out there, I know you're listening to me, you are tired, you are beat, you're weary of the constant war that you seem to be going through and you don't seem to find a way out of it. And this war has been draining you out. Friend, it's time for you to realize that the kings that you have been submitting yourself to are not cutting it. The kings that you have been worshiping, the kings that you've been following, they fail you. Maybe your king has been money. Maybe your king has been a boyfriend or a girlfriend or or some some other person that you thought was going to fix everything for you, and they completely let you down. I mean, they betrayed you. They failed you. Your money, you had a whole bunch of it. All of a sudden, it seemed like overnight, it was gone. 
or it's just not working. Either way, your kings are failing you. The things that you have given yourself, you submitted to the authority of these kings, these false idol kings that you need to abandon. They have never, these false kings have never been able to uproot the dug-in problems that you've been dealing with. These false kings have never been victorious enough to bring you any true peace. These false kings, these failed kings, have been promising you great things for a long time, and they have not yet delivered it. And you're tired of waiting. You're spent. You're out. You're done. What do you do? I would pray it's finally time you realize that your problems are actually the reaping of the consequences of your own decisions that you have made. God warned you. You have been warned. The Word of God has warned you. Friends who follow the Lord have warned you. Do not choose those things as your king. Follow the Lord, but you would not do it. And now you're, you're played out. If you're realizing that everything you've ever tried never seems to work out, then understand that your old kings will always fail you. Your old kings are never going to come through. They will never work. The problems are too dug in. They will not come out. You need to recognize how much better this new king is. King Jesus, Messiah Jesus. Jesus was crucified for your sins, but God raised him back up from the grave, and that means Jesus has beaten death. That's the victory. Remember they said that we they came to David, they said, you always let Israel out and brought him back in again. They were acknowledging the victory of this new king. Friend, you need to recognize the victory of this new king that I'm telling you about, the the victory of King Jesus. He beat death. The grave couldn't hold him. He rose from the dead, which means if death can no longer have mastery over Jesus, then if you are in Jesus, if you give your life to Jesus and submit yourself to his authority, then death can never have mastery over you either. And that is the victory of this new king. And if you will willingly turn around, away from your old kings, leave them behind, leave these false kings, leave these false idols behind, like the Philistines did, and come willingly to Jesus Christ, to King Jesus, and submit yourself to his authority, then he will establish a new covenant with you, just like David established a covenant with the Israelites. And through that covenant, he will move in to take residence within you. He will uproot and remove all of the dug-in problems that no one has been able to remove from plaguing you. All of the hostility that once said to Jesus, you can't come in here, Jesus will come in and he will take his rightful place, the throne in your heart, in the sanctuary, in the center. He will come in. Where all former kings have failed, he will come in and rule. It's time for you to realize that you need a new king, not the ones you have chosen. Deuteronomy 17.15 says, You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. You remember how the, the 11 tribes came to David and said, You're the one God picked for us. You're also an Israelite, but God picked you. God chose you. Our former failed kings, we chose for ourselves, and they never worked. It was always war. It was always trouble, and we're tired of it. 
We need to go with the guy that God picked. Friends, I'm telling you, you need to go with the guy that God picked for you. Who is that? He chose Jesus Christ to be your king. God chose that king to rule over you. Well, you may wonder, how do you know that God chose him for me? Because of John 3.16, the verse that probably almost everybody's heard. Let's read it and look again. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, God chose him for you, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friend, God chose Jesus, so he sent Jesus to save you. But, Ray, you know, I have heard that verse a million times. How can God Almighty, the indestructible, untouchable, I mean, he's God. Who, You know, what can happen? How, how does he know suffering? How can he possibly understand the trouble that I have to deal with every single day? How can he know that? Hebrews 4 and 14 says, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Friend, Jesus understands your pain. He understands. How can he? Because he went through it. He did it. He was hunted from before he was even put here on this earth. He was hunted down because they knew he was coming. They tried to kill him as a kid. They chased him down all his life. They hung him on a cross. They beat him first. They insulted him. They mocked him. He's been through it. Trust me, he knows your pain. He's been there. And so remember how the elders told David, you are one of us. You are one of us. Friend, I want you to understand that the Lord came in flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That was Jesus Christ. And so he did that to take our sins away. But you can trust Jesus because he became one of us. He became flesh. Well, I'm in flesh, Ray. I'm having to walk around on this world where it's so miserable and things are so hard for us. Hey, he knows. He came and he walked around in flesh just like you and I do. And he was hunted down all the time. And he hung on a cross and they killed him. He gets it. He understands. He can sympathize. He is one of us. You can look at this king and say, not only did God choose you, but you're one of us. You understand me. You sympathize. Jesus can sympathize with you. And the passage says that Jesus is our high priest. That passage we just read, he's our high priest, meaning he did the atonement work, the covering work to get rid and cover our sins. You know, in our story today, how old was David? When he began to rule, it says he was 30 years old when he went to rule. Numbers 4 and 3 says, From 30 years old and above, even to 50 years old, all who enter the service to do the work in the tabernacle of meeting. And so a priest could start his work in the tabernacle in the tent of meeting to reconcile the differences between man and God. He started that work at age 30. That's when a priest began his work, was at 30. Luke 3.23. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. Friends, this means that Jesus was our high priest. He did the atonement work for our sins. Let me paint it to you this way. What Jesus did was he looked at us as sinners. There was a problem between us and God, and God was going to have to take us out for it. 
So Jesus stepped in between us and God and became a mediator to reconcile our differences back with God again. And that's why he died on the cross to pay for our death penalty for us so that the condemnation he took would rest on him instead of having to rest on you. That's how Jesus reconciled our differences with God so that we could ever even have the possibility of ever meeting God. Otherwise, without Jesus, you never could. It takes a king with victory to pull that off. Jesus is a victorious king. He's one of us. He is God in flesh. He understands. He can sympathize. And friend, I want to ask you that if you live a defeated life, if your perceptions of life is, oh, it's all over with. Oh, just, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's what Ishbosheth did. And when Ishbosheth laid down like that, it gave opportunity for the enemy and they came in and killed him. If you live a defeated life, I want you to realize it's because you have not fully, totally released your life over to the overwhelming victory of King Jesus yet. You need to let it all go to him. Stop serving failed kings. If money is your failed king, stop giving your trust to it. Stop thinking, oh, money's going to fix everything for for me. Has it fixed it yet? Has it? I mean, be honest. It's not going to. It's not going to work. Jesus will bring you victory. You need to recognize the difference in a failed king and a victorious king and put your trust in the victorious king. Remember, as soon as they made David king, David moved in. He moved into the place of the sanctuary in the center, in the middle, in Jerusalem. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Where's that inheritance? It's in heaven with King Jesus. And so after you make Jesus your new king, he moves in. He he comes to indwell your spirit with you into that place of sanctuary, your center, this, the very core of your being. That's why it's called the heart. When you make Jesus your king, when you say, you know what? I realize you're, you understand me. God chose you. I'm going to submit to you as king. He moves in. He moves in by covenant. He moves in to your place of sanctuary, your inner man's spirit, your heart, to take residence within you, with you. But your spirit is impossible for anybody to penetrate. It is the deepest, it is the most central part of your being. Nobody can get in there. Nobody ever has. That is your center, your heart. And just like Jerusalem was so fortified that nobody could ever get in, but remember though, The king knows how to get in. The king can get in. What did David say? Someone go in through the water shaft. Friend, the king knows how to get in. Jesus said in John 4 and 13, he says, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Friends, that water that Jesus was talking about was the Holy Spirit of promise that we just read about in Ephesians 1. Your spirit, 
your inner man, your sanctuary, the center of your being is so locked down, so tight, nobody can get in there. And the problems that have been plaguing your soul are hard to dig out. But friend, the king knows how to get in. He knows how to get in there through the water shaft, the Holy Spirit of God, the water shaft, the waterway. The Holy Spirit of God is the waterway in. You take a sip of that drink, you ain't thirsting no more. Now, after he moves in, like David, David moved into Jerusalem. He started to expand his kingdom. After the Holy Spirit moves in, he's going to build his kingdom all around. He's going to expand his kingdom around you so that others will notice the blessing. The king of Tyre, he took notice of David's blessing and he wanted to be part of it. This could be the same with you, with Jesus Christ. Others will take notice of the Holy Spirit working in your life, and then they're going to want the same blessings too. And when the blessing starts to roll in, especially if you don't pollute it with your all-for-me attitude, but you remember it's for the sake of his people, David knew that the kingdom was not for himself. It was for the sake of the Lord's people, Israel. Friends, when God blesses you, it is not so that you can have for yourself, but so that you can be a blessing for the good of others before yourself. That's what living like a living sacrifice is, that you consider others before yourself. Never get so proud of what you have that you forget to inquire of the Lord first, just like David did. Lord, I have all this blessing. I see it in my life. You've given it to me. What do you want me to use it for? With what you've given me, what do I do with it? How do I give to others for your glory, not mine? Remember, the Israelites, they were damaged. They were hurt. They were tired. They wanted peace. and They learned the hard way, didn't they? They learned that they would never experience true peace unless they submitted to God's chosen king. Friends, if you are damaged, if you are tired, if you're hurt, I pray that today that you understand now from God's word that you will never experience true peace like you're looking for until you submit to God's chosen deliverer as your king, King Jesus. Trust in the Lord Jesus, the Lord who breaks out. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin, and thank you for your gift of eternal life. I give it all to you. Thank you for the blessing. As you send it to me, I will be looking for ways to bless others because I understand it's not about me and my glory. It's all about yours. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you gave your life to the Lord, I want to know. You can go to setforliferadio.com, and there's a way to communicate with me. Send me an email through there on the in the contact section, and let me know what this ministry has done for you. Please, just let me know. I need your encouragement. If I encouraged you, why don't you encourage me back and tell me what this ministry is doing for you. Tell me what the Word of God is doing for you. And if you gave your life to the Lord, I just want to hear it so I can be joyful with you because you're going to get some blessing. I want to be part of it. Thank you for being here at Set for Life. We'll see you next time. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.